Welcome back, everyone. In today's episode, we take a look at distance learning and what that's looked like over the last 20 years. Uh, we get into some practical advice to getting better at delivering consulting and coaching from afar and how not to be a tool. Welcome to Agile After Dark, the podcast that addresses agile topics not talked about in the light of day. I'm your host, Greg Adams Woodford, sitting here, and over there is Brandon uh, Gartley. And then we also have our best co-host, Jessica, in, yeah. in the virtual. Hi. Jessica, who's been hey, hi. basically in a boiler room for the last month, bailing out water from her place every two hours. Do you hear about this? Yeah. No. Fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Air conditioner went out right in the middle of a delightful heat wave. It was 105 degrees outside, 98 degrees inside. It took almost a full six weeks to get our AC replaced. And we the only thing we had was this little window unit like that we put in, that we went out and got and we put in. But it was so humid in the house because, you know, it needs like a bucket to the humidity. Yeah. I had to empty a full stock pot of water every two hours. So that means like getting up in the middle of the night to empty the stock pot of water every two hours just to have one of the rooms in the house be cold. Uh. Also, so fun fact, uh, your um, carbon monoxide detectors, if there's no air circulation, it can't, can't tell the difference between carbon monoxide and humidity. And so if you really want firefighters to come over to your house, it, 4:45 in the morning. Go ahead and just have your AC go out in 105 degree temperatures. <laughs> fun. That's a good fact. That's a not so Helpful. fun fact. <laughs> Six firefighters just traipsing around my townhome. Hi, hi. Yeah, yep, yep. These are my pajamas. Thanks for coming. <laughs> yeah, I remember when we locked Grace or Kate actually in the car, and the whole fire department came to like jig out the door so they could. Is that? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. We're good. yeah, whatever. It's like to, to open the door because our child was like stuck in a car when it was 115 degrees. Such bad parents. God, no wonder she's a mess. She's actually not a mess. She's not. And now having she's a young not. child, I was always like, "How could you ever do that?" Oh, I get it now. Yeah, because you just I I don't know how it happened. We just like you weren't we're like, sleeping. That's how it happened. It's like the door isn't opening. There's our child in there in mm. her car seat. The good news is the car was on, so she was, you know, there was air conditioning going. But we can go on these stories forever. But we can. We should, yeah, we should probably get into to what we're trying to cover today, right? Right. So, Brandon, I think you're you're up to talk about what we're we're doing here, and then I'll introduce it. Yeah. Well, I thought you were going to give the title first. Well, I'll give the title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the episode is going the distance. I'm learning for me and. What that means dun -out, to me? Dun -out, dun -out, dun -out, dun -out, dun what? What did I not say that right? <laughs> no, I was just doing it. It's kind of from the song that. By the way, I thought the going the distance oh. song was a Beck song, and so I looked it what? up. I was like, oh, what's the lyrics? Because make sure I get it right. It's like Beck Cake. going the distance lyrics, and it comes up, what? and then Jess. Brandon, it's Kate. I know. I know. <laughs> And it's so funny. Then I'm like, oh my God, let me watch this video of not Beck singing the song that I thought was a Beck song. And it's actually a great video too. And then the next video that comes up is short skirt, long jacket, which I also thought was a Beck song. Jeez. Talk about So here we are. 
So, Brandon, actually, the, the, so to build off the title of the episode, we're also in this moment. Brandon is learning for himself. Learning he is. For and and that's, again, you're absolutely right. He's, he's learning for me. Yeah. Like, as we go yeah. with band names that shouldn't be that complicated, but apparently Brandon struggles with that. So, yeah. Cake, um, back, back, cake. Cake, back. Which they have nothing to do with each other at all. <laughs> there is no cake in the in the actual video. For no, going well, na- yeah, one name, but I could tell you stories. So, <laughs> anyway, no, our- but wait, you actually interviewed Cake, didn't you? I did. Yeah, I, I interviewed them uh, after a show at the Boulder Theater when I was I was writing musical reviews of sorts, and then um, they were horrible. <laughs> they were just absolutely horrible. They were mean, and I th- the Dave, the guy, the lead singer was named David, and you know I just I was like I mean I was eighteen or something like that or nineteen, and I was like asking him questions. He's like, "That's the stupidest question I've ever been asked." I'm like, "I'm nineteen, okay, give me a break." Oh. Well, I wrote so the 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 actually the review is favorable because they're good. They're hmm. really good, so. Um, unlike some of the other hippie bands that I reviewed that I was not so comfortable <laughs> Wait, with. hippie bands came to Boulder? Get out of no, here. Trust me, it was like every other show I had to review was some sort of hippie band, and I was always irritated. Greg's like, I can't sit in the same room with these people. <laughs> I literally had to like go, and then it's like they're all just like, hey, what's up? Like, uh, da, da. And I'm like, do you not like have any sense of purpose? And then, you know, like you have Fishbone. So you go to see Fishbone and get an interview them, and they're, like, all over the place, cool, like, you know. So, anyway, that's part of my See, another reason that Greg should have been a radio host from the very beginning. I should have, yeah. Well, it also, but also I'll take a moment to appreciate the heavy bands because they never told you the question was stupid. Mm, they were like, yeah, good question, man. <laughs> By the way, that's not untrue, just so you know. <laughs> Blues Traveler, I can't even... Tell I can name a million of them, but anyway, they were very exactly how you just described them. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> so today's episode is going the distance. I'm learning for me. You got it. You nailed it, Ben. Okay. Second time in a row. I'm, I'm, I appreciate that, especially since I was wrong based on the source. But uh, you know, I think as as much fun as we've been having, you know, at the beginning of this. I can't think of a more timely thing for us to, to talk about, right? Uh, with the the pandemic and, you know, basically people having to figure out distance learning and, and distance consulting, distance coaching, distance learning, distance interactions, everything's a distance, right? Um, the fact that Greg and I are in the same room is kind of like amazing because uh, even six months ago, we never would have thought that was possible. Um, I was kind of looking around at some of the stuff that that's been said about this. And, you know, interestingly enough, companies are starting to jump all over this and saying, oh, this is very interesting. Our models has changed and we're going to invest significantly in tr- digital transformation and making greater investments in technology as a result of kind of what's been going on. And, that kind of for me, and I wanted to put it to this group and kind of really kind of get your guys' insights because Greg has a lot of uh, experience from distance learning from back in the day when 
you know, it's before any sort of pandemic and stuff that Jess has been doing. But I think what we are starting to see is kind of an excitement about, hey, there may be a new way to work, but I want to make sure that we're diving into that and saying how much of that is viable and how much should we be leaning into that? So I kind of want to put that to the group and maybe Greg can take over and talk about some of Well, I've been asked Jess because Jess has had the recent um, most experience around having, especially doing agile coaching distance. It's, it's not, it's, it's maybe the most difficult thing to do. Everybody can give a, you know, PowerPoint over HR issues or something like that, but trying to get people to change their opinion, their perspective, their point of view is really hard to do remotely. So I know you've had experience recently on that particular um, endeavor, and I'd just like to hear your opinion about it versus my old school opinion. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, change is hard no matter if you're in person or distance, virtual. Um, I think especially with the pandemic, we've had amazing collaboration tools come out. Um, We have, the technology has really jumped in a way that helps distance learning, distance coaching, distance life experience be richer than it ever has been before, um, which I'm grateful for. um, Because when this all happened, you know, I mean, we've all talked about We've got to be in person. You got need to be in the same room. You know all of that stuff. I think this the things that I've found. Um, there's a lot of there's so much similarity between dis, good distance learning and good in person learning. Same with coaching. Um, you know, it's constantly shifting the frame so that people don't get bored, so that our 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 neurons light up in different ways. There's the same sort of like adult learning constructs of don't spend so much time and explain and demonstrate. Get into guide and enable and debrief, right? There's all of that stuff is the same, but it takes a lot more intentionality, I think, especially for those of us who are used to doing it in person. Like we just had all this stuff in our back pocket and now we have to build it out, build out the different frames and be really intentional about setting expectations up front for, in order to make it a a rich learning experience. Whereas before we could just snag everybody in the room and tell them to shut their laptops down. No, (laughs) and you're right. And I think this is one of the things that Brandon and I were talking about. It it takes a, a specific kind of mindset to deliver this content like a teacher versus the tools are just the tools. And I don't care about zoom, whatever, but you, you have to have a particular point of view in how you're teaching somebody. And that's what it is, right? Whether you're coaching or whatever, but you have to have a specific point of view because it's not an easy thing to do. You can't just get up and give a PowerPoint presentation. And like you said, keep people interested there. I think you used the word neurons, which I was really impressed with, but but you know, it's like you, you have to be good at it and it's not easy. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it takes practice and there's a lot that you can learn about how to be a good learning facilitator. I think what we, what we think about learning just from school is that there's a front of the room teacher and they tell you the things and then now you've got it. And what we know is that that's so not effective that, that we learn so much more by actually doing things. And so it's important to get into 
the the experience of doing things and it takes time effort and intentionality to set that up because we we retain something like nine percent over a week of someone giving us a lecture and if we're actually doing it and practicing it and playing with it and and learning from each other i think that's another piece is helping like let's say if we're in a classroom setting that we help the students whether they're adults or children start to learn from each other the attachment to the information and the knowledge is going to be vastly more significant than if we're just talking at folks no and so there's there's in education there's teaching from the front of the room teaching from the back of the room and teaching mm-hmm. from the back room is exactly what we we're talking about which is let groups form let because you don't you have this also have a spectrum of people some of which are you know, more advanced, some of which are maybe struggling for whatever reason. And you have to be able to facilitate that. And doing that in a classroom is easier because you could see if somebody's not getting it. But in a distance learning position, you're, it's, it's a hard thing to do. So teaching from the back of the class is, is you, you know, it's, a, it's, it's hard, it's, especially digitally, it's hard. And I don't know what your perspective is on that. Well, I think um, that that brings us into how how do you get it set up? Like, how do you set the container for the work that you're doing? Um, I spend when I if if I'm ever in like a co-leading or facilitation educational portion, I spend a significant amount of time in setting up a design alliance or a working agreement. And in that, we don't talk about you know. Um, your normal working agreement or design alliance stuff. We talk about things like a, a, I always send this out before in education. You have to have your cameras on 70% of human communication is nonverbal. And if I'm talking to a bunch of black, you know, black dots on the screen, I have no idea if this is hitting, if it's not, if you're curious, if you want more information, if you hate what I just said. So cameras on is always a requirement. Um, don't be an oil painting. So if your camera's on, allow us to actually see what's happening in your in your world. Like, make an expression. Yeah. I hate what you just said. Or, uh, you know, tilt, allow yourself to tilt your head if you're curious about something. Like, give us all of those indications. Be your whole person when you're in this experience. Share the airspace, right? Make sure that you're talking. Because, and I design this every time as, Everybody takes different nuggets of information out. Everybody has a different aha moment. And if you keep that aha moment to yourself, then you walk away this with this one aha moment. But if we share our aha moments with each other, like Greg grabbed something that I didn't see and Brandon grabbed something that I didn't see, now we're walking away from this experience with a whole pile of aha nuggets versus just the one that I took. So it's all of that designing up front that you get to do that's going to make for a depth of experience that's going to attach the learning in a different way. Well, and I, I totally agree. And I don't know if we want to pause, Brandon, because so, I can go back to my – because I, I I, every, everything Jess just said mm-hmm. is absolutely true with distance learning. And I did it for years and years, both in education and in uh, certification training. Um, so I don't know if you want to like break and we no, can no, no. Kind of talk I mean, about I, I think, I think I'd like to jump into it actually. Okay. Um, all of that is amazing, Jess. And I'm like, wow, that's, you know, it's so forward thinking and so forth, but 
I'm thinking about it as a user that's, you know, I've now been in a pandemic for a year and a half. I've been every single interaction with anyone I've worked I've had has been, you know, where I either on camera or I'm not, right? There is such a, such a thing now. I mean, it's kind of crazy, like Zoom dysmorphia, right? Where we're not evolved to see ourselves talking to ourselves. Like that's that's not that's not natural for us to kind of see how we're talking to others. And I don't know about anyone else, but when I'm in these conversations, sometimes I see myself looking down at the box of what I'm talking. Cause I'm like, how am I communicating to the people here? And to just this point, I miss some of the, so that takes some training, but I'm thinking about the, the people that okay, we've been doing this for a while. Right. And as much as we set the container, Jess, like how do we, you know, try to create the environment where, Maybe it's further just acknowledging the struggle of it. Maybe it's further understanding kind of what we've gotten into, because honestly, some of this is going to stay. I mean, when you see all the articles and research out there, a lot of companies, as I said at the beginning, they're starting to say, we may not have people come back to work. And some people are saying, I don't want to go back to work, right? I want to have the flexibility of being at home and, you know, running out the room to like help my kid and come back and so forth. So I, for me, I'm kind of curious, and I think just you know, you might have a point on this. Like, I'm really curious about what's we're kind of hitting a point of. I don't know how much longer people can do this. So I'm I'm gonna take I'm I'm not gonna ta- I'm not gonna address the I don't know how much longer people are gonna do yeah. this, but I am gonna address that there are massive differences between in person and distance learning, mm-hmm. and some of those things include. One of the things when you're building out a workshop or an educational experience, we have so much that we want to do and that we want to impart and that we want to have them learn and um, actively engage in that the first tendency when you're building out and you're looking at the agenda and you're building out the timeline, the first tendency is to get rid of breaks because you're like, "Eh, you know, they've only been going for an hour or they've only been going for, you know, however long. Those breaks are so vitally important to have at I. I really, I hold very firmly to this anytime I'm building something with someone else. Every hour, give people the chance to stand up, move around, get some, you know, get some water, do all the things. And the other part of that is that when you're, when you, when you've had an experience and then you come out of it, the back of your brain is still sort of processing and thinking about all this stuff. So you actually, you actually retain a lot more for having had the breaks than you would if we just dove right back into it and people start thinking about, well, I really need to use the restroom or, you know, I need to take care of this email that came through. If they know that, you know, every hour they're going to have 10 to 15 minutes to take care of what they need to take care of, they can be present the entire time. So, so how is that different from being in person? I think that um, naturally just kind of happens, right? Yeah. There's there's a, a, and I was going to add on to that, just, I'm working with a very large technology client right now and from the change management i'm working with them is they're like i'm in meetings now all day i was in meetings before but now i'm in meetings all day and there is no breaks i'm literally in virtual meeting virtual meeting virtual meeting virtual meeting, virtual meeting. and like you hear it out and so that's kind of and i think you're addressing some of the things that like i'm hitting a tipping point jess and that because you can't have that pace and keep that pace forever well, and you can't read the room because usually, if you're in a, in a like a classroom setting or a you know training session, you can see people are yawning and getting bored, and we we need to take a break. And you can't do that necessarily virtual setting, right? 
Yeah. Yeah, So you have to build it in from before you even get started. We're going to make sure we, when we build this container, there's space for that intentional space for that. I think the other thing, um, that you brought up for me was this is both, this is from both some of the workshops that I put together and our attempts at PI planning, um, (laughs) or quarterly planning that, you know, like we used to be able to do full, you know, one day, two day events where we had everybody for eight hours together doing a thing. This virtual environment, and especially when people aren't used to, to your point, Brandon, being on camera, it's really unfair to hold people hostage to their to their desk and to the experience for that long. People are exhausted by the end of it. And so we've started breaking our stuff down into if it's a if it's a planning event where it used to be two full eight hour days, now it's four four hour days. Same with the workshops. I'm really not holding anything more than five hours at a time at this point because it's too tiring to be on on video sitting in or standing in your same spot for that for that long. Um, that's for me has been a really big aha for me and a huge difference in the way that we well, operate. And by the way, it didn't work before either. So like even in the physical <laughs> environment, it never worked. So that was always a problem, right? Which is actually a good transition to, we're going to talk about this, not an original problem, right? Some of the, how we learn, whether it be distance or not, uh, is, is all kind of wrapped up together. So we're going to take a break. Uh, as always, uh, feel free to send feedback to feedback at agileafterdark.com, and we'll see you after the break. And the first training course, they give you an—it's uh, not an alter ego. It's a—they it, give you like a uh, like a pseudonym, like something something that's a part of you, but you—they wish that there was you could see more of in this person. So um, they gave me Xena Warrior Princess. Mm. So, so, uh, so, and then you had to title your Zoom, you know, your Zoom title had to be your new uh, archetype of who you need to bring out in yourself more. And so I was Jessica Xena, Xena Warrior Princess. And then my next Zoom call uh, was I was presenting at uh, Agile Games West. And I, and I pop in and there's, you know, hundred some some odd people there and my zoom name was jessica xena warrior princess you're way too sweet to be a warrior princess by the way uh, I, mean that I don't know about that jessica's got a very I knew you were intense side to that, just, you know. <laughs> jessica throw down if she needs to let me tell you <laughs> well i think i've been a part of that at some point so. I just that i was a presenter like you know i was supposed to be this per- and then okay Warrior Princess. Hi, everyone. And we're back. And we're actually back after the fourth time of trying to record this shit. But anyway. The last last episode. Yeah, not the last. Oh, God. We have two lost episodes. Actually, there's three because there's one where I did one with Steve and Sonny. And Sonny got so drunk, he fell asleep on the mic. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah he did really? he literally did because i was, we were we had okay to be to be fair it's either he got so drunk or he got so tired because brandon was also drinking 
But Sonny, you don't true. understand. <laughs> when Brandon goes down, Brandon goes down. There's no I take everyone with up. me. Like, he's just like, I'm out. Everyone. All right. So before we get into our, our, our top three episodes of Agile After Dark, I uh, want to do our ritual of what are we drinking? And to start us off, I would love Jess to get us started. Yeah, so you guys are going to be shocked because I'm not drinking one of the three W's. You know, my three W's, right? Whiskey, wine, White Claw, or vodka. Oh, that's four. And <laughs> four, sorry, four W's. Nothing is, yeah, nothing White is Claw. my talent. White Claw is the new one. That White Claw is kind of like the... I am White Claw 20, was my... I am yeah, 24, yeah, a, Jess. I am 24, and I'm drinking some White Claw. <laughs> it's, my, it's my intro. So, But also, you know that I don't drink beer. Um it's there i i don't understand beer it doesn't taste good it makes me full before i even get a buzz what's the point um and but and but and and but um i have a friend who works for a local brewery here in minnesota um surly and i've always felt really bad because i haven't been able to like you know support him and and his business and all the things and i went to a, a soccer game with him a couple weeks ago and he introduced me he was like i tr just try it just try it just try it and i said fine and i finally found a beer i could drink surly grapefruit supreme tart ale it really is an ale uh with grapefruit added it is delicious fantastic summer drink and he gave me the secret sauce to making making it an absolutely perfect summer beer cocktail Cocktail. But co what? That, there's cocktail. Is like grapefruit in beer. Yeah, is that go. isn't that weird? No. It. No. Well, so people, here's what you do. do like, here's what you do. Yeah, shandies and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. No, it's 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 a thing. So right? you take a, you take a couple of sips out of the top, and then I'm t grabbing my shot glass. You pour a shot of tequila into the top of it. Perfect summer drink. Perfect. And it's a beer, and I'm drinking it, and that's that is my new new drink of Agile After Dark. Not one of the W's. Is it a Minneapolis brewery? It is. Yes. Yeah, how do you, what, Surly. It's Surly. How do you spell it? S U R L Y. S U R L Y. Okay, I'm writing that down. I'm looking he's, for it. He's Sounds all. Amazing. He's all and about for those of you who beer, they they are. Probably the number one brewery in the Twin Cities. They have amazing stuff for people who drink beer. They can't they can't sing their praises enough for people who don't drink beer. They finally have one that I can drink as well. I love it. I love it. When I come to visit, we're going. Surly. Surly. All right, Greg. How about you? I'm I'm doing my old. I'm I've been on the on the grape more lately than <laughs> on the than grape. Not. But oh, to, I'm on the grape. I'm having some vodka and some cranberry juice, and um, that's my typical, I guess, drink. For well, you, know, you know what's great about that is when we we talk about the episodes in the past. I think that's probably ninety percent of the ones that yeah, ninety percent. Right? That's what you were, no you were drinking. Yeah. Oh, well, I guess the whiskey. You had a little bit yeah, of the. But I'm I'm off uh, the whiskey part, the whiskey. so yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. I mean, during the over shows, it was kind of Greg, sti Greg sticking with the three W's. Three or seven W's: wine, whiskey, vodka. Okay, yeah. And I, by I the like way, it. I'm a big fan of whiskey still to this day. Yeah. But anyway, today I'm just doing some vodka and cranberry. And you're doing what? Yeah, I'm doing kind of a, a different one for me. 
you know, being in Arizona for really only the second summer and it's been, it's been brutal <laughs> this June. I mean, whew, climate change. Damn. Uh, yeah. So it's hitting hard and grapefruit juice kind of to just thing with her beer. Uh, it's great in the summer. So, um, in Texas, I always, you know, uh, I'll go back and I drink Greyhounds and stuff, but I, I switched it up because I really like gin. So I, I'm drinking a salty dog. So it's gin with mm. grapefruit juice, a little salted rim. So love it. It's a good, it's a good summer drink. So very nice. All right. And, you know, and without knowing it, Jess and I are twinsies. Magic twinsies. What is that? Fantastic. Twinsies. Because she has a grapefruit beer. Grapefruit uh, and grapefruit. Yeah. yeah. Grapefruit beer. Yeah. Still perplexes me. Oh, that you. Mm, good. Good. Delicious. Stuff. Yeah. Actually delicious. All right. So. We're going to start with our top three Agile After Dark favorite episodes. We can kind of explain why we picked these. But number three, I'm going to start with you, Greg. Yep. Go ahead. So my my top three, starting with number three, reflection on inspirational introspection, a dive into Agile leadership. That was with Amy Palmer, who, again, I said this earlier, I have a crush on. Um, but that was just great because – she just provided a great, you know, um, uh, executive experience and uh, perspective to it. So that was that's that's probably my favorite. Yeah. And hopefully I, she's listening to. Yeah, this. that's yeah. Three number three. And, and for the thing out of that was, and, and Jess did this too, which was just even more amazing. Uh, this is one of those episodes we know it's really good because Greg and I barely said anything. Uh, it was kind of Amy <laughs> and Jess talking most of the time. Uh, but Amy was really amazing. She just opened yeah. up and talked about during this pandemic, she'd spent the time to invest to really figure out her purpose from a professional level. And mm-hmm. that, it was really cool to hear that from her, to have her open up about that and open up about how she was nervous about opening up about it. Uh, and Jess did the same. It's, it's, it's an awesome episode. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. I totally agree. So Jess, what was your number three? Uh, CICD, you think you know me. Mm. Um, that one, that one, I actually listened to that one a couple of times. Uh, went for a walk on that one. It was uh, what I what I really liked about our Steve Steve Thomas, our friend Steve. Um, the way that he talked about it really made it very accessible. Um, I think sometimes, you know, especially when you're first getting started on that journey, it can be like kind of nebulous. And he, the just the the way that he talked about it, it it made so much more sense. Uh, having listened to that episode of it, it grounded everything in a way that, that, that it like, ah, okay. I understand what this is and why it's important and how to go about using this. And that, that it's not just the technological side of it. It's the cultural shift as well. And I loved, I love the combining of the two things. Yeah. And that was the episode. It was like a third one. And we, I, <laughs> I listened to this. And I remember getting a text from you, Jess, cause we were like, Hey, we're doing this podcast. Would you be interested in like being part of it? And I remember you texting me and be like, I was like, went whelp, like in the middle of my walk with my dog. Cause they were like, yes, that, that makes so much sense. Uh, yes. but you know, we were, we were all over the place and we had, we were talking about his son eating a cow named that Steve it is, is, but that being said, I totally agree. Amazing, amazing episode. But CD, CD, uh, CICD is not like, it's not, a com- it's a complicated thing. It's yeah. not that easy because it's about releasing software and that was what I, he said. It spans the you know all the way to support. 
you know. Yeah. And so that's what, to, what I took away from that one, which is my second, and I'm okay. going ahead. Oh, he jumped um, to number two. But well, that's okay. But he, you know, that was what really helped me understand that it's there's a spectrum involved. It's not just developers mm-hmm. releasing something. It's support. It's you know services. It's sales. It's everybody, yeah. and so that's what I really appreciated about that one. Yeah. So I skipped ahead to the no, mind no, no, that's fine. And, and even though it was kind of one of the third one we ever recorded, that's number three. Interesting, is the third one we ever recorded. Uh, that's the first one that I actually was able to pass on to someone else that I know, and because we kind of just did this podcast to have an opportunity for us to get together and have some drinks and and kind of talk about the stuff that we'd like to talk about. Um, and that was kind of the whole premise of getting this podcast started, but it's now grown from that. And now, now I'm sharing things with people that are saying, Hey, I, you know, I'm getting into this agile stuff. I don't know a lot about the technical piece as I honestly listen to this podcast. I, I, I feel very comfortable. Mm-hmm. It's not because it's mine, but it's because I got so much out of it. Just being in the room, I can only mm-hmm. imagine for someone else being able to like pause, rewind, think about it, take some notes and so forth. It, it's probably really good. Well, and we also had a, four-hour-long conversation in the hotel, if you remember, yeah. before that led the podcast, to that. right? Yeah. Well, it could have been six hours. I, I remember Might the first two and a half hours yeah. of that conversation because there's free <laughs> drinks in the Marriott. Yeah. So, so I mean. <laughs> Jess is laughing because she knows that's actually true. <laughs> that was when we were still traveling, and we were, yeah, that was th- those were different times. Let's just say that. Uh, my number three was uh, – Let's talk about different times. Uh, IO Psychology and Agile, Breaking the Resistance. Uh, this is a podcast that we did with my wife, Carrie. Uh, she's an IO psychologist. And what that means is industrial organizational psychology. And that really is kind of the, if you're going to think about um, software delivery in the old waterfall way, uh, you would think of IO psychology as the agile of HR. So HR was kind of very, kind of very, we're going to do annual reviews. We're going to make sure people are onboarded, kind of very structural waterfall-ish sort of stuff. And IO psychology looks at it in a very different way. So we kind of picked our brain about how those things kind of overlap. Uh, and, and it was really cool because, A, she was willing to do it very early on. And I know it was really useful for me going to clients and saying, one of the things we need to look at is not just how do we get your teams to deliver, but how do we make sure that they're feeling that they're being heard, that they have a, a pathway in their careers, uh, that they feel that they have a clear understanding of what the organization is trying to do, not just from a, we're delivering products, but this is what we're trying to do for the people that are here. Uh, it, it was really effective in that way. So. Well, and I, I, I mean, that's, that's, sorry, Greg, I'm, I'm going to go ahead. Just, yeah. This is part, that's part of like the capital T transformation, right? Yeah. That it's not just about teams. Yeah. Like it's HR, it's legal, it's like all of these, all of these other pieces, and it's pulling that that capital T agile transformation in, which is really cool. Sorry, Greg, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, I think it's well. The he hardest, already gave up his number two, so hardest he, thing he, to he do. Talk. And I, I'm giving my honorable mention to Carrie. Okay. Um, for doing this because it's, I was just with my wife this morning, going listening to her going through this, like, you know, whatever podcast about. HR and whatever and you know it's just it's just such an inhuman thing and it's it's not even advanced common sense it's just a process and a tool and we didn't really talk about tools but yeah I I, I feel very strongly about that so that's my 
So you did your number two is the CICD, but the honorable mention to, to Carrie. I like all of them. Yeah, I know. I know. It's tough. It was a tough what's choice. Your, what's your what's your number what's your number two, Brandon? Uh my number two is Don't Dismay Cost the Delay is here to stay, which we did with uh, our friend Shiloh Reddy, uh, and Steve Thomas as well. Uh, and I I really was enjoyed that one in particular because I just finished the Reinerson book about kind of um, product delivery flow and it just that book kind of like was amazing but had my head swimming in 20 different directions and Steve and Shiloh were able to really as they are so good at condense it down to here's the things that really make a difference and cost of delay you know focusing on that in terms of we can you know it doesn't have to be perfect right Perfection is the enemy of progress, right? We're, we're, we need to make sure that we get it good enough to we say, this is the stuff that we're trying to deliver, and this is actually going to deliver value to our customer, and we have a, a, a theory about how we calculate that, and let's just go from there. Uh, and it, it was just amazing for me because around that time, that was some of the challenges I was dealing with as a coach with my particular client, and, and it was amazing. So that was my number two. Jess, how about you? Uh, my number two is... It's a developer life. Every deployment engineer gets its wings. Nice. Uh, again, another friend of ours, Nitin. Um, I loved that episode because he put into words my feelings about developers. Um, he just he I, I honestly I used I used some of his language yesterday talking about developers as creatives mm-hmm. and artists and how do we let them be their creative selves and ignite all of that in them. I mean, that's why they got into it in the first place. Right. So instead of to let them be the, the creatives that they are, instead of, you know, forcing them to build a widget after widget, after widget. Yeah, and I love that. You've always had that connection with like developers, just kind of that empathy yeah, and sympathy, I, but I mean, he really and, kind of, for me, and at delight least, and yeah. total delight yeah. in cause their brains work in a totally different way. I think than then, than some of the other people in, in society. And, and if we can give them the space and the, and the tools and the, all of the things that amazing things happen. And he really did a great job of articulating that and, and holding the delight in that. And he comes from that world. Um, and so that one to me was, that was a really great episode. You know, and I started my career in the arts and that's the first thing I recognize about developers. What is that they're the, you know, good developers are artists. They're they're mm. they're built to solve a problem that a product person, you know, has. And so I I always appreciate that about Nitin as well. I mean, no one can deliver it with much style as Nitin, but yeah, style. I mean, that Trust. that guy is you know dressed to the nines in every instance. How much money does I he mean... spend? And he has a beautiful wife. Which I'm like, Stunning. not that interesting. Why do you have this beautiful he wife? Is. He secretly he is. is. That's he what we is found absolutely. Out in the podcast. He is. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I'll um, tell you this about Nin. He still dressed Metro at the gym. Like it is. <laughs> he's on point in every second of his life. I love it. I love it. So you're starting to, for those that are listening, you're starting to hear the cast of characters that uh, we have as part of our regular rotation of folks. All right, Greg, let's hear your number one. My number one is, and I'm now I'm jealous of some of the things that other people have said, but transformation 
more than meets the eye with Shia already. Um, and now I'm conflicted because I liked all of these, you know, the knit and one especially. But that's the one that, for me, um, she has a particular perspective on what transformation really means. And in a, in a more practical way than I think most people have, an, you know, their objective is to, like, do this three-year transformation thing. And so for me, that was, you know, I love Charlotte because I worked with her for four years. Um, but I, I think that was, for me, the one that was number one. And it's a hard number one, but I think it's, that's probably my favorite one. Shiloh's Shyla's mesmerizing. I mean, I could listen. I, I could listen to her talk for days on end and and be fascinated the whole time. Yeah, and it's never scripted. It's the craziest thing. Like I gave her an outline, said we're gonna talk about one, two, and three. Like literally two words for each one, and she it just rolled off her tongue as if she was in a TED talk. It's the craziest thing. And I've never seen anything like it in my life. She's brilliant. Since it's it's amazing. All right, my number one uh, is hatch those chickens, stop counting, and start delivering. Uh, which is it because was of the title? Oh, I forgot What's that? that one. Is it because of the title? You were so excited about that title. <laughs> not as I excited about that not one. Not as excited as my honorable mention, but I'll get to that in a second. Not as excited as my honorable mention, <laughs> but uh, yes, I do spend some time on the titles. But uh, that one was with uh, Greg's friend Kylie. Uh, so we, we do try and bring people from a lot of different places and a lot of different sectors. And it, it, it fed into my nerddom where we were able to, to have conversations about how to use data instead of data using us, right? Uh, and how to build it into everything that we're trying to deliver. Uh, and so that we're not, you know, using thumb in the air, red, yellow, green reports and stuff like that. It's really like what, how are you able to really measure how effective what we're delivering is doing and that there's ways to, to parse that there's through the technology and going into the CICD stuff. It was just, it was a really, if you're kind of in that nerd sort of stuff, that's the podcast for you. Cause she does a great job of articulating that. And, and I just, you know, I had like a nerd connection with Kylie that, you know, it, it was, it was a great episode. Yeah. She's definitely a nerd. If she's listening. <laughs> and she'll kick your butt at the same time. She will definitely kick my yeah, butt. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jess, what's your number one? Oh, mine's reflections on inspiration and introspection. I dive into agile leadership. Mm. Um, I have a passion around leading with purpose and being intentional about how you show up um in every moment and and i think our conversation with amy was delightful and insightful her vulnerability was spectacular i felt like uh appreciative to be witness of mm. and um and and her the way that she showed up made me want to show up and so you know it was just it was a spectacular display of leadership on her part um, and, and I think if we could all be intentionally grounded in our purpose as leaders, no matter what level of the organization you're at, um, generally things are going to be, going to be better and, and, and we're gonna be able to do amazing things. Well, and you, by the way, she's a special person, you know, mm. and she just has this perspective 
And again, she has the executive leadership and experience, but she's just, you know, she's just amazing. And uh, by the way, she's fun to go to a party with as well. <laughs> she's so, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> That's she's right. All around amazing person. Yeah. She is a rad, rad, rad she's lady. She's a cool ass person. Yep. Uh, and then I have an honorable mention for, I think, obvious reasons, two obvious reasons. One, title, let's get digital. Let me hear your agile talk. Right? <laughs> that's number one, because that's a badass title. Two. Let's get digital. Yeah. Sorry. Two, that was the first time we had Jess on the podcast to talk Aww. about. Best decision we ever made. I know. To talk about her amazing experience at a very large, important big box company and working in the digital space. Yeah, if if, if you want to ever talk about digital transformation and have a better understanding at a very large enterprise company that's the one you should listen to so that's my honorable mention and blushing authentically transformed <laughs> i mean she's and drinking beer planet? for god's sakes oh my gosh i know <laughs> on what planet and you didn't have to Full, do that that's the capital t transformation. oh jeez. all right we'll go there that's a good time for a break <laughs> uh we'll take a quick break uh and come back and wrap things up on the other end It's like stuff for the kitchen where I'm like, oh, I want to cook this weird ass thing. You know, I need. Oh, I'm shocked that you have extra stuff for the kitchen that nobody <laughs> ever uses. Unbelievable. I'm just it's unbelievable. Oh my God, we need margarita. You know, like where, yeah, crap. He literally, I remember. <laughs> Which, by the way, it came in handy in July 4th. But I remember an apartment, like you had, I remember, uh, Oh, Angie was Angie like, went what around. the fuck are you doing? What is all this shit that you have? That like, how much the do you best. Have? She just walks in and just goes, no, this is stupid. It's like the foil part. That was the yeah, I still have that foil. How are you doing? Uh, and she was like, how many slow cookers does one person need? I was like, well, two and a half, obviously. Okay, so Jess, you know, I've had some experience in um, distance learning from about 2000. I'd be interested in your perspective about how it is different in, you know, 20 years uh, versus when it started and what I experienced. Well, so what I, I'm actually, I'm going to throw it back at you, Greg, because I'm, I'm, what I'm curious about, so what, essentially what happened when we went from completely in person to completely distanced was that we failed a bunch. And I'm curious about, so back in 2001, what were the, some of the key elements to distance learning that you all discovered then? And let's talk about how that might be applicable, not applicable, or what we've had to rediscover essentially since then so what 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 did you what did you all found find out well so i i would say that so there was there were four different parts of the company one was the distance learning live what we called live um there was the so that was synchronous right then there was asynchronous e-learning there was lms and lcms and so we had this company that really did one thing great and did not do any of the rest of them great and the one thing we did great was synchronous learning and nobody uses that word anymore but what essentially we did was we had two people who were kind of like radio talk show host morning show kind of people 
who would just go back and forth and they scripted everything out and they would figure out like, what am I going to take on? Okay. You take on. And, and there's like all kinds of hand signals going on. And then they had a producer who, um, would essentially do the chat. And then if they were getting off task and it was, this was certification for Cisco, Oracle, Microsoft. So it was technical certification that you would, you would actually get the certification if you took these classes, these online class distance learning classes. And they just, they were brilliant. They were, they were absolutely, we had a guy, I it's, and I don't know if it's legend or not, but a guy taking these classes in an igloo in Alaska. And what, you know, that was just, uh, it was okay, a story. Hold on. hold on. That's amazing. Well, I don't know if it's true to be honest, but, but it was because we use Flash. So we use Flash and we use modems, dial up modems, old school dial up modems. That's how. Oh, I just had a hard flashback exactly to that. That's what we used. And then we made up a whole bunch of stuff about how we had satellite feeds and stuff, which were totally a lie. And I'd have to do the tour, so I'd have to lie all the time about how, well, you see here we have the redundant systems, you know, the satellite, da, 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 and I would just, you know, I made it up, so whatever. But, but the point was, it was effective. We used flash animation to, to help, you know, exhibit how the instruction needed to be. We had great personalities, two people going back and forth, funny. Oh, they always had humor going on. A producer who would essentially answer chat. Um, and, and it was just right. It was just right. And if you think about it today, which is where I'm going to lead, Zoom is not solving any of our problems. And, and Brandon and I were talking about this this morning. Tools aren't the solution. It's people mm. who understand how to instruct. And it's what you've been talking about this entire episode. It's about teaching from the back of the room, not the front of the room, right? But you have to do it digitally, which is really a hard thing to do. So, you know, for me, uh, again, that was a, <laughs> a long time ago. Um, but it was totally effective. I could tell you a whole bunch of quest, uh, a whole bunch of stories about it, but I'm not going to do that because they're lewd. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's what I want to kind of like highlight about what you just said, Greg. So, like, the technology is different. To your point, Zoom isn't answering. Zoom isn't fixing the things that that we're struggling with. But what you but what you what you figured out, and what took us a little while to figure out during the pandemic was, you know, in person, you could show up in a room and just be the person that facilitated either in front of the room or back of the room instruction. But in this, in this environment, it's so much more effective to have two co-leads at least who can dance with each other to your point. Like they're funny, they're, they're dynamic. They can feed off each other. It's, we, we don't script our stuff anymore, but rather sort of let it 
we, we, we really intentionally dance with each other. Sometimes one person is leading, sometimes the other person is leading. I love that. And then, I love that. And then adding to that, the fact that you have a producer or a director or a, you know, somebody who takes care of the periphery. So somebody's technology isn't working. There's a chat going on. There's all kinds of this other kind of other stuff that we aren't inherently good at now that we're no longer in person that takes care of all that other stuff that makes the rest of the, the learning experience flow. So the person whose technology isn't working isn't, is being taken care of and that doesn't take the co-leads attention away. There's like all of that stuff that you guys, you, you all had figured out in 2001 is completely applicable to the work that we're doing now. And I'm sort of loving, I'm loving that. Yeah. And I, not to get too philosophical, but I think the pandemic just kind of accelerated our consciousness to this, because if this is a problem that Greg was dealing back with, you know, at that time, honestly, has it gotten any better? Like we still have schools teaching in the front of the room. Uh, looking at it as I'm looking at you instructor to instruct something to me. And sometimes technology, as we talked about, the tools can be more of a problem than a solution. We used to all <laughs> before TV, I mean, go way back, you know, when we used to gather around a hearth and that's how we told stories. And that's how, I mean, like the Greek goddess of the hearth was like one of the most important ones. I still do that as a Greek goddess. Yeah. Just so <laughs> Hesia or whatever her name was. She was like one of the well, most. Well, that's how information was transferred from person to person, person right? To it was person. in the story. And the reason that we gather around the fire was because that's how we stayed warm and that's where our food was. And that like, that's how we communicated. And not to be like guy, you know, with the fist to the cloud saying, darn you. But I mean, it, it, I think that there's been so much, this goes back to what we talked about at the very, I'm kind of trying to wrap it to what we started with the podcast, which is that all of those companies are saying, we're investing so much money in the technology for communication and digital transformation. And this is going to be our new way of working. And we had talked in the break and so forth where it's human beings, like we crave connection and crave understanding and crave you know the 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 ability to to bounce things off one another. Well, and read the room, like figure yeah. out what people because not everybody's going to respond the same way. And just like students in a classroom, exactly, you may have people who are learning in a different way or a different pattern than another person. So why would you think that it would be any different for adults? And that's what I'm saying. From like what you were doing in 2001 to now, I feel like the pandemic's kind of accelerated some of that. But I'm worried that our reaction yeah. to that is to say is similar to what we dealt with at our clients and agile perspective of, Oh, we have a tool now we're agile. Yep. Oh, we have oh. a tool now we can communicate better. That's our solution. Thank What's you very much. What's the tool? What's the tool? What's the tool? Yeah. It like it, I'm, you just hit a hot button for me yeah. and like, so many times I'm in a transform, like an agile transformation and people, the only thing people talk about is what is the tool and not recognizing that it's that the transformation is a human experience. Mm -hmm. And it's the same with, with learning, right? Yeah. It's not about the tool that you're using. It's about the human experience. And, and the thing that with, with the with agile transformation, whether it's learning or whether it's how you interact with your spouse or what have you, the most in-depth kind of the transformative things that you have is when you kind of recognize something within yourself and say, Oh, I learned better this way. Oh, I have, I I'm different than this other person. You know, 
how do I learn? And that's kind of what the title of this, you know, how am I learning for me? What's learning for me? And learning for me can be different for learning for Jess, can be different than for learning for Greg, can be different learning from, you know, anyone else. And that, not that we have to customize how we learn and so forth, but I think that to kind of try to wrap up some of the stuff we, we've been talking about is we're dealing with a distance. That's the reality. That may be the a mixed reality of our future, depending on how things go. So how do we recognize that? A, I think we both all with all three of us agree. Tool is not the answer. A tool is a tool, right? It helps well, us. And the tools help and the tools have gotten better. And that's fantastic. Yeah. Right. That being said to Greg's point, the, the way that the way that we go about this is still based in human experience and in the way that people learn that hasn't shifted whether we're in person or distanced without going too much to to greg's experience that's why it was really interesting to hear his his perspective is the way that people have been learning for a long time whether publication public education or not because i studied pedagogy too it wasn't right it's not necessarily the right way to learn so we have to recognize in that professional thing and not look at that sort of space to say, oh, this is this is how people learn in the past, so therefore that's what we should follow. I think we need to switch it up. Well, this is drawing out, but I would just say, you know, again, if you're in a classroom and you're looking at the room, you realize there are people who are getting things and there are people who are not getting things. And there's nothing wrong with that. It mm-hmm. just means that as a teacher, you have to, you know, mobilize yourself to be able to address those those differences and it's no different but it's really much harder in distance learning to understand that this is like a it's like a major issue for me like Mm -hmm. i've been talking to people for the last six months about this stuff and it's just like everybody feels the same yeah there's we're we're in a fog right now as i said to greg and we're all trying to figure out how to clear it out Zoom's not going to get us the tunnel to move all the things around us. No, but I also want to appreciate the fact that that with this with this newness that we have here now, or at least what feels new to me, less new to Greg, who's been doing distance, has experience in distance learning for a lot longer and has a lot of things that we should probably be learning from. Because I, for me, it felt I wish I would have talked to Greg about this a year and a half ago. Because I feel like we've learned, we're relearning a lot of lessons that he has, um, and 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 instead we could actually learn from the people who've been doing this for longer. Mm-hmm. Is that that we also have the opportunity to touch a lot more people? I I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. like our That's our global yeah. our That's global experience, our global education, our yeah. global learning mm-hmm. is expanded by having done this where before we we had to be in person mm-hmm. and now we have the opportunity to share educational experiences and by sharing those educational experiences we share the life experiences of people from all kinds of other countries and all kinds of different time zones with all kinds of different cultural backgrounds and i feel like the depth of learning that can happen in sharing that piece too is pretty exciting. You know, I, 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 I want to say yeah. that, I mean, I guess I did think about this before in the past, but just even bridging cultural 
because that's what did that's what technology can do it can bridge Mm. continents right it can bridge geography and if you can present something that makes sense imagine the, the the good you could do it's pretty outstanding it's pretty awesome and that's and that's you know i think to to wrap things up that's the exciting thing about this but it's also the challenge right the challenge has not changed much from the time greg when you were doing it to what we're doing now but the opportunity and and the excitement of using the things that we've learned to to really make a difference in how people are learning it's 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 really exciting so i want to thank you guys for an awesome podcast uh, we had some technical difficulties in the middle. We might have had to do a few things. <laughs> That's right. We're being the paid a lot to do 2. this. 5. So. <laughs> but uh, I appreciate you too so much. And, uh, you know, this is another great episode of Agile After Dark. And we'll see you on the other side. Mm-hmm.